Amen. All right. Well, I need to apologize. I hope I didn't uh, offend or insult anyone and uh, make you self-conscious about the uh, sweater that you're wearing right now. Um, You'll have to check with somebody else to see if you were uh, actually in the ugly sweater contest or not in the ugly. There's not really a contest, but I think somebody put out in the worship team that they wanted to show up wearing their ugly sweaters and I looked around and I just assumed some of you guys are joined in. Anyway, hey, um, I uh, just trying to have fun. Just trying to have fun. Um, so uh, don't don't text me or email me anything like that. So. But uh, or I'll call you out next week. So uh, just kidding. Okay, just kidding. I won't go any further down there. Hey, last week, if you were here, you know we got started on this series that we're doing called uh, "He Will Be Called." He will be called, and that comes from a passage in the Bible that was written um, by the prophet Isaiah. So it's in the book of Isaiah, and he wrote it 700 years. Isaiah wrote it, uh, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, 700 years before Jesus arrived on earth. And here's what he said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Last week we took a look at Jesus Christ as being the wonderful counselor and we said that we would do well to go to the counselor and we can take anything and everything to the counselor and we said that we would do well to listen to the counselor. Well, how does he speak to us? Through uh, the Bible and through time and prayer and through Christian friends and do well to listen to the counselor. And then we said we do well to do what the counselor do, what the counselor says. And this morning we want to look at uh, Jesus, the attribute that was given to him. The next one was mighty God, mighty, mighty God, mighty God. Jesus Christ is a mighty God. And so Here's some things that we know about a mighty God. The, uh, the Latin word, the Latin word omni means all. Latin word omni means all. And uh, the, uh, the Latin word for science uh, means knowledge. And so uh, when we talk about God, God is omniscient, omniscient, omniscient. And that means that he knows everything. He is an all-knowing God. You can write that down right there in your outline, in your bulletin, that God is an all-knowing God. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And uh, here's what I know. I think I've shared this with you in the past that uh, maybe you've done this too. Uh, there's a problem and you're trying to figure it out and uh, so you don't know how to fix the thing and so you go to YouTube and you look it up and then you realize, oh, that's why I can't get this thing apart. There's this hidden screw way back in there and I, I, couldn't, I didn't know that before but the guy on YouTube, he, he took this thing apart so he showed me how to do that and so I need to go someplace uh, to find a resource to teach me how to do that thing. Uh, God's, never, God's never had to do that. God has never had uh, to do that. Um, he knows everything. He knows uh, everything. And um, uh, as I'm sitting here, and I just saw um, I, I just saw Kathy walk back there, and I failed to mention that uh, uh, Connie was going to be back. In, she's going to be in the nursery, and uh, four years old, four years old and under. Uh, if you're four years old and under, and you need a place, uh, Connie's going to head down to the nursery. I failed to mention that, and I got too distracted by some of the sweaters that were in the room, apparently. And uh, forgot to say that, but um, so uh, so Jesus Jesus is in fact omniscient. He's all knowing, 
And uh, Jesus never had to look up anything on YouTube because, uh, well, he knew it all in the first place, right? He's all-knowing. But also Jesus is omnipresent, omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. And, and I really, you know, how do you grasp something like that? Um, kind of learned a little bit about that. Some of you guys have learned a little bit about that. Uh, social media, social media, right? And so what's kind of crazy about that is... Um, uh, I have friends, and, and so do you. I have friends, that, you know, in, in Illinois and in Iowa. I have friends in uh, Indiana. I have friends in Texas and in, in California and in Oregon and in, in Alaska. I got uh, family up in Alaska, and uh, I have friends, guys I went to college with that live in the Philippines and uh, uh, and all over the place. And you know, family in Minnesota, and and it's crazy because I can I can do this thing that. Uh, uh, I can I can take a picture of a beautiful fall tree, and, uh, and my wife and I will be out walking and take a picture of a beautiful fall tree, and I can post that on social media and just say, out for a great, you know, walk on a beautiful fall day. And then within minutes, within minutes, people that I know from you know, Indiana, Texas, Oregon, Alaska, uh, people from the Philippines are all of a sudden, you know, within minutes, they're hitting the like button, and ding, 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 right? And, and it's like, wow, it's... I am not, I am not everywhere. I am not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. So he's understood this idea of being everywhere, always, all the time, kind of knowing what's going on. That's God. That's God. When, when, when he was described, Jesus as a mighty God, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere, always. And then he's omnipotent. He is all-powerful, all-powerful. Jesus Christ, all Powerful, all powerful. We can't, we can't even begin to comprehend that. We have very limited strength, and um, very, very little power. A lot of times in our life, we feel like we even have very little influence, even with our own family or our own children. And but Jesus Christ is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's everywhere. All. Powerful. What would you do with that? What what does Jesus do? What what does God do with his power? That's where we want to land this morning. What does God do with his power? What does Jesus Christ do with all of this power that he has? And so there in your outline, you can just kind of write down uh, this first thing. The first thing that God does is that, uh, and these aren't in any particular order, and uh, it's a very shallow and, and limited list, but what does God do with all of his power? One of the things that he does is he changes lives. Write that down. He changes Lives. He changes lives. In the book of Acts chapter 9, we read about a guy named Saul, right? And Saul was a good Jew. He didn't like the Christians. And uh, so he kind of, uh, he went to the, the Jewish leaders and he said, what I would like to do is go around and find Christians and arrest Christians and, and prosecute and even stone them to death. If we can get away with that, we want to we want to eliminate all the Christians. And, uh, and so they said, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. And so Saul was on his way to another town, Damascus, right? And, and then Jesus steps right in. Boom. And he blinds Saul. And uh, now he's blind. And, and, and he says right to Saul, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And he says, I want you to go down to Straight Street. And I want you to see this guy. And he's going to tell you about who I am. And he, he just directly intervenes in his life. And he was going in one direction. And Jesus stepped right in with all of his power. And his whole entire life changed. And so then Jesus, Paul's the guy, he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. 
and he becomes a dynamic, powerful leader for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the cause of Christ. He literally changes. And so what does Jesus do with all of his power? He changes Lives. He changes lives. You read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You watch as Jesus is going from place to place. He makes the blind see and the mute speak and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. And he's changing lives, changing lives, changing lives. And, and uh, uh, there's people that we know that would, there's people that we know all around the world, all around the world this morning that would give testimony to the fact that once, once upon a there's a part of my life that was going this way, but I found Christ. And I found a church family and people came around me and through Christ, my life has been changed. It's not what it used to be. And people would say that Jesus Christ changes, change, with all of his power, he changes lives. And that's good news. That's, that's good news that Jesus changes lives. It's not the only thing that he does. Some of us can relate to this one. Uh, we think about this one maybe a little bit more and it's a little more awkward. But uh, there's something else that Jesus does with all of his power. Write this down. The answer is nothing that we can see. Nothing that we can see. The book of Mark tells a story of a guy that uh, they call him the rich young ruler. And so... Uh, He's wealthy. Uh, he is probably, therefore, successful. Most likely, he was kind of charismatic if he was able to sort of build a business as a young man. And, and uh, maybe he was a good-looking guy, and you know, and they call him the rich young ruler. And this guy walks up to Jesus, and, and he says, Jesus, uh, what, what must I do? What do I need to do? I want to go to heaven. I want eternal life. I want to be in the, in the, you know, a part of your, your kingdom. What must I do to be saved? And And Jesus looks at this guy and he says, uh, well, what you need to do is you need to go. You need to sell everything that you have, give your money to the poor, and then come and follow me. According to Mark chapter 10, verse 22, it says that this guy simply went away sad. He went away sad. He was right there in front of Jesus. Here's Jesus with all of the authority and all of the power. And he says to him, what must I do? And he tells him, and then he turns and he leaves and he goes away sad. But if Jesus had all of the authority and all of the power, certainly Jesus could have done some kind of a, uh, he could have did this thing where he says, open up your coat and put your hand inside your coat. Now pull your hand out. See, it's covered with leprosy, right? Now put your hand back in there and pull it back out. See, now it's not covered. He could have done something like that. He's God, but he he let him walk away. Had all this power, but he let him walk away. Jesus, in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. Uh, Jesus didn't say, because I have all of the power and because uh, you're there and and I'm telling you who I am and what I'm about, therefore, every single day for the rest of your life, as soon as you accept me as your Savior, I take care of everything. 
You just sit back, and it's kind of the Christian welfare program. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to think anything. I just take care of everything in your world from now on. Jesus never said that. He said the opposite. In this world, you will have trouble, and we do. The reality is, is that this can help us. Because how many of us have learned hard lessons in life because we have gone through hard things in life? And God, with all of his power, allows us to go through things so that we can be changed for him. So what does God do with his power? He changes lives and he does nothing that we can see. What else does he do with his power? And here's the reality. He can do, write this down, whatever he wants. He's God. Whatever he wants. Paul says this in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 22, 20 and 21. He says, but who are you, O man, to talk back to God. Your parents ever say anything like that? You don't talk back to me, right? Uh, who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? God can do, he has all of the authority. He can do whatever he wants. And the reality is, is that so could our parents, right? And as parents, our, our kids were there and, and maybe, um, you know, your parents could do whatever. Maybe some of you guys had a, a very involved or maybe super protective parents or helicopter parents. And, and, you know, parents can be like that wherever the child goes, they're there. They're just kind of there, hovering right above them, you know, and, and they're always clearing and paving the way in front of them so that no harm will come towards their child. And, and there's parents that are like that. And, and then there's also parents that are, uh, uh, you know, absentee parents and non-involved parents. And parents kind of get to do whatever they want. And God has all of the power all of the authority and he does whatever he wants he's god and we're not what else does god do with his power he completes his purpose through you he completes his purpose through you. That's what God does. He has all of the authority and all of the power. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. You ever get an attaboy? You ever, you ever have anybody ever say to you, uh, man, you did, you did such a great job on that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I could have done it any better. Uh, you know, you, you, you just, you pulled that off like nobody's business. You ever get an attaboy like that at work? You know, you, you get an girl like that at work and, and they're kind of pouring into you this uh, validation, this confirmation that you did a great job. God has a job for you. And he has put you together in a way 
that you can do specific things for his kingdom that no one else that has ever been created can do for his kingdom because he has set out to complete his purposes through you. That's what he does. Jesus is a mighty God, and he has all of the authority and all of the power, and he's everywhere all the time, and he knows everything. And what does he do with that power? He does this. He uses you. He uses you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Here's what Paul said. Paul must have not thought of himself as a very dynamic preacher. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Eh, I gave it my best shot. I went from town to town, place to place, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, and I went out there and I preached and and I said the best words that I could think of uh, to say. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. My, that wasn't my words. It was the, the Spirit working in me. It was His power, His, His words working through me that were powerful and effective so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Um, I, I'm a preacher and I, I know a lot of preachers and I, they're, they're kind of my peeps, right? I kind of hang out, pre, go, I go to preachers meetings and, you know, and, and uh, just, just you know, we're preachers get together, and we're a lot like you. When when you guys get in your car and you go home from church, a lot of times you get in the car and and you talk about the sermon and you rate the sermon and you grade the sermon and you know that was a good point. Oh yeah, that was, you know you shouldn't have talked so much about those sweaters. You know whatever. You guys go home and you'll talk about all that. So well, listen. When us preachers get together, guess what we talk about? <laughs> Jesus. So we preachers, we get together. But here's, here's what I know. I don't know a preacher who wouldn't say this to you. Uh, all of us have had this experience at some point in time where we, we preach a sermon and then after church we go and we stand somewhere around and people come up to us and they talk to us. And uh, somebody eventually will say, Steve, today when you were preaching and when you said X, Y, Z, Man, it was just like you were living in my head, man. Were you following me around this week? That's exactly what I needed to hear. And I simply say what I always say. God's good, isn't he? Isn't God good? He's just good. Because I know for a fact that now I was preaching, I never said X, Y, Z in that sermon. But that's what they heard because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is using my words to communicate his will into your life. God does that. God does that. This week, we were, uh, Laura and I are here in the building, and Laura made a phone call to somebody and, and just was communicating, hey, thank you for doing this thing, really appreciate it. And the person that, uh, that uh, she was talking to, uh, they just said, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. I've been kind of having a bad day. You know what that is? That's God using you for his kingdom. That's God using you to communicate his love to people through you. What does God do with all of the power that he has? What does God do with all of the wisdom and the knowledge and his awareness of everything? that He changes lives and nothing we can see and whatever he wants and he completes his purposes through you and he uses you and he also does this, write it down, he sustains you. 
He sustains you. The book of Isaiah chapter 40 says, He gives strength to the weary. You ever been weary? He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Remember what it's like to be young? Some of you do. You know, a lot of energy and all of that. Well, you get older. Even young Youth, or even youth are tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. That's what we're to do. Go to God. He can sustain us when we are weary. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. Remember, here's Paul going down the road and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and, and so, so he wouldn't get conceited about that and so that he would be humble in that. He says, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a, a messenger of a Satan to torment me and keep him humble. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then, then, then I am strong. Because I know that an all-powerful God will sustain me. And I might be beat down and I might not know what's going on, but I can rest in the arms of an all-powerful God who will Sustain me. What else does God do with his power? Write this down. He works things out. God works things out. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. God will work it out. God will work it out. We might be in the middle of a storm and not know how this storm is going to come to an end without us drowning, but God's back there and he says, I have you in the palm of my hand and I can work this out. I'm God, you're not. I have the authority, I have the power. You don't rest in me. I can work it out. In conclusion, what else does God do with his power? He loves you. God loves you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. You know what that means? God can't help but love you. God can't help but use all of his power to love you. God can't help but use all of his wisdom to love you. God can't help, but every time he is near you and around you, which is always, he loves you. God loves you. That's what God does. 
He has all of the authority and all of the power and he loves you and he works in your life and he is near you. And we might think of him as being a heavenly father and we might go to my father and say, well, what's that like? And we compare it to our father. Uh, God is not like your father because our heavenly father is perfect and loving. And it's all he can do is love. So when he does whatever he wants, the only thing that he can do is to do what he wants to do, and that's love you. Every action that he takes in your life is an act of love towards you. That's who an all-powerful God is. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The next question that we need to ask is... uh, Do you know this God? Do you know this God that gave his son, Jesus Christ, to be born in a manger some 2,000 plus years ago that would grow to be a man that would revolutionize and change the world from that point forward until we are here today and God has never stopped loving through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants to be in your life and involved in your life and a part of your life. And he, according to Revelation, he stands at the door and he knocks and he is waiting for us to open the door and have him come in. Do you know this powerful, mighty God? If you know him, he asks you, to share him with others. If you don't know him, he invites you to join his family by being baptized into his holy family. If you've never been baptized into Christ and you don't know him as your Lord and your Savior, that's a conversation that I would love to have with you. We sit down, we'll talk it out, we'll look at scripture together, and we'll enter into the waters of baptism, and you can have Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I don't know how God is working on your heart right now, but I'm confident that he is. And whatever he's prompting you to do, you would do well to follow and do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Help us all, Father, to move in, to get close to, to rely on, to cling to, to put our faith in Jesus. We ask for this help in Jesus' name and amen.